Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by the official Star Trek Starships Collection. Get the Enterprise D for only $4.95 when you sign up today at st-starships.com slash mission log. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 223, True Q. Welcome into Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Each week, we watch an episode of Star Trek, taking it apart for messages, morals, and meanings, and seeing whether the whole thing holds up. This week, true Q. Um, spoiler alert, this one has Q. Yes, yes it does. This is the one also that explains where Kevin Arnold's sister disappeared to, which is exciting, because... Yeah. The, her and Winnie Cooper, that's the two reasons I watched The Wonder Years. <laughs> that and, you know, <laughs> the 70s soundtrack. Uh, in a moment, John's going to bring his trivia for this episode. But first, tons of ships off the starboard bow. Target them, John. <laughs> that's right. It is the official Star Trek Starships collection, officially authorized by CBS. We're talking about incredibly detailed models based on the originals and original reference material. Uh, they are true collector's quality. We're talking about ships made out of die-cast metal. And here's what you do. You subscribe to the official Star Trek Starships collection, and you get two ships a month from all iterations of Star Trek TV shows and movies. And it's not just the ships that you get. You also get a magazine filled with production notes, design notes, and in-universe information about the ship. Plus, you get a digital download of the magazine, which not only gives you access to even more information online, it lets you keep the physical magazine as close to new as possible. And you get all of that for $20 per ship. Two ships a month, two magazines a month, two digital magazines a month, 40 bucks a month. Plus, you get extra surprises the longer you stay subscribed. And you can start your subscription at a ridiculously low price. Get the Enterprise 1701D. That's the uh, starship with all the puppies on it. <sighs> the puppies. <laughs> Get the Enterprise D and its accompanying magazine for $4.95 to try it out. And can I just point out something that um, we've actually not talked about in a while? Uh, mm -hmm. Well, because we haven't talked about these ships in a while, which means we haven't talked a lot about how much we love these ships. Because I'm looking at them right now. On my desk. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm full of love for these ships. <laughs> Indeed. As, as well you should be, and as well uh, anyone, I think, who, uh, who signs up. At the very least for the one. At the very least, you know, just trying out the one. But, yeah, I think anybody who signs up for them is going to love them, too. You, you, you're going to get one, and you're going to want more. The address is st-starships.com slash mission log st-starships.com slash mission log. Try it out. Uh, you will be supporting this show and you'll be building your collection and it's completely risk-free guaranteed. The address again is st-starships.com slash mission log and a big thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. As I said before, John's got trivia coming up in just a moment, but before we get to that, we want to get to you and we want you to get to us. Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear your voice. 323-522-5641 is the phone number to call. 323-522-5641. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. Our show website, including discovered documents, is at missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. And now... As I've mentioned a couple of times already, it's time now, right now, as I've mentioned, right now. <laughs> I can't wait. For John Champion's <laughs> trivia, John. No, well, there's no need to wait because right now, as has been teased a few times. Oh, should I do that now? You're going to do trivia here, uh, like right now. Right now, okay. Because I'm ready now. 
Yeah. Do you want to go ahead? Sure, I'll do it right now. All right, True Q was written by Renee Echeverria. And uh, Renee, that we know, joined the show in season three. And the most recent script of his that we discussed was I, Borg. Now, the story actually was pitched by Matthew Corey. Uh, he pitched the original concept and it was quite a bit different. So let's go back to 1992. Matt was 17 years old, a fan of Next Generation and a fan of Wesley Crusher. He had concocted a story titled Q Me about a young man who discovers he has the powers of Q. All of this taking place during Christmas time on Wesley's return trip to the Enterprise. Now, we would have seen the return of Robin Leffler and we would have met another young Academy student, Heidi. And Matt, being a fan, had in mind that he was writing the character Jonathan with those Q like powers for himself. So uh, he got really lucky being one of those few people who, with a spec script, got produced on Star Trek. Uh, His story, though, was heavily rewritten, but that's how it goes. And this is Matthew's only professionally produced writing credit. Now, we are extremely fortunate that we have some of Matthew's original pages from the QME script that he pitched, and you can check them out at missionlogpodcast.com. He is a listener to our show. Hi, Matt. And we thank him for that. Now, interestingly, in those rewrites, Amanda was first called Samantha. And yes, that was a reference to (laughs) Bewitched. And it was a little too cute of a reference. So she was renamed Amanda. You know, I was actually going to say that the thing at the beginning with the uh, with the puppies. Yes. uh, So I don't remember why I remember this. But on Mm -hmm. Bewitched, uh, what was the kid's name? Tabitha. Oh, Tabitha, right, yeah. yeah. So Tabitha, it turns out, when they weren't sure whether she was going to be a witch or not, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it turns out she could do something called that they on that show called Wishcraft, oh. which was basically she had no way to control her powers, but anything she wished for, she just got. Oh, and that's wow. exactly what happens with Amanda at the beginning of this episode, where that she you know wishes she could is. have like like twelve dogs, and then boom, she has twelve dogs. Right. Yeah. Right. So interesting to hear that there was a definite bewitch tie-in, not just a. Um, not just an accidental or, you know, coincidental uh, tie-in, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So they, they thought, eh, this is a little too much. <laughs> so can't do that. Uh, the episode is directed by Robert Shearer. And uh, can a major piece of trivia, I know that this has been eating you up inside. Um, in this episode, Gates McFadden has lost the wig. Oh, wow. So we are seeing her hair again, starting with this episode. And that's from now on? Yes. Okay, cool. Glad, glad we got that out of the way. Um, hey, we are back in the Argolis cluster. Uh, Argolis, of course, is a region of Greece, and it was a seat of power during the Mycenaean period. And uh, we were here last uh, in space, not Greece, in the episode I, Borg. And we have a missing scene for this episode featuring... More puppies. More puppies. Yeah, well, we we have a puppy, and and in this scene, it's a real puppy, not a group of them manifested by Q powers. Uh, Deanna Troy drops by Amanda's quarters. This would have been right after the moment that Amanda saves Riker in the shuttle bay, and they talk about Amanda trying to figure out what she wants to study, and Deanna brings a crewman's puppy that needs to be looked after for a few weeks while that crewman is on a mission. So, yeah. Crew members are raising dogs on the Enterprise. Or leaving them with the ship's counselor. Sure. Yes. Yeah, because that's what you do. <laughs> or, so. or just, you know, rematerializing them whenever they feel like they need to feel the responsibility of taking care of a living animal. All right, guest stars. We have John DeLancey back as Q, of course. And here's a fun one. So we heard from listener Jared, who is a producer now at Home Shopping Network. One of their on-air hosts is Shannon Fox, but in 1992, she was Shannon Lynch, and she is the young woman who Riker sits down to chat with in 10 Forward. So Jared is a fan of Next Gen, and he kind of recreated a shot from that episode in their office where he's sitting across a small table from uh, Shannon. It's really (laughs) cute. It's really nice. So thank you, Jared, for pointing that out. And, of course, we welcome Olivia Dabo as Amanda. Now, Olivia already came to the business with a family pedigree in entertainment. Her mother, Maggie London, appeared in 2001 A Space Odyssey, among other movies. Her father, Mike Dabo, was in the group Manfred Mann in the late 60s. 
and her cousin Miriam Dabo appeared in the Bond film The Living Daylights. So Olivia has a long and illustrious career herself, but she may be best known for playing Karen Arnold in The Wonder Years. She was also in Wayne's World 2 and just so many other cool projects, um, including a huge number of voice acting gigs. Captain's Log. All of a sudden, it is apparently my job to welcome students on board the Enterprise. Next thing you know, I will be expected to peel potatoes or something. Prologue. Amanda Rogers is an honor student with an internship on the Enterprise. She'll be working under Dr. Crusher, serving in several positions, trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. She's whip smart, having beaten hundreds of people out for her position on the ship. Also, she seems to have magic powers. Witness the suddenly appearing and disappearing puppies. Act 1. The Enterprise is on its way to Tagra 4, a planet beset by ecological disaster. Amanda Rogers is testing a bunch of tricorders meant to be used on the planet. In conversation with Dr. Crusher, we find out that Amanda's parents are actually her adoptive parents. Her biological parents died when she was very young, and she remembers nothing about them. Taking the tricorders to the shuttle bay, Amanda learns more about Tagra 4. The eco-disaster they're experiencing is Tagran-made. They've polluted their atmosphere something terrible. They can't clean their atmosphere. They can only keep it from getting worse. As Amanda surveys the shuttle bay, she sees Commander Riker. She also sees a container fall on a collision course with Riker's noggin. And once again, she can do magic. A wave of her hand and the container goes flying, safely away from the commander's cranium. Unnoticed by anyone, Amanda has saved Riker's life. Geordi is showing Amanda around engineering when... Disaster! Sirens are sirening. Steam is steaming. Geordi says they're in danger of a warp core breach. They're going to have to eject the core. But there's no time. It explodes. With the whole explosion contained and the warp reactor repaired, seemingly by magic, by Amanda. Act 2. Senior staff is discussing this whole Amanda thing. Crusher says Amanda's human, at least as far as she can tell. As for the malfunction in the warp core, Geordi says there was absolutely nothing wrong right up until there was. Perhaps Q can explain, because yeah, he's here now. He caused the malfunction in the warp core to test his theory that Amanda is Q. Her biological parents were. They took human form to visit Earth, had a kid, died in an accident. Amanda showed no signs of being Q right up until she did. Now, Q is here to instruct her on the proper use of her powers. You know, to make sure she doesn't accidentally end herself. Or the galaxy. When that's done, he'll take her back to the continuum. And Crusher's like, whoa, hey, Amanda has plans and it has to be up to her. And Q is so bored by that. He says he and Picard should talk alone. And with a snap, the two are in the captain's ready room. What Q would really like from Picard is an introduction to Amanda. Let her know that she can trust him. Because, you know, Picard totally trusts Q. Still, he gets the need to do this, and do it properly. He and Q need to be civil when delivering the news. No bickering. And the final decision has to be Amanda's. Q does the disappearing thing, and Picard sets Data to work, finding out what happened to Amanda's biological parents. How did Q die in an accident? Data also thinks that is odd. He'll get into it. Meanwhile, Amanda is telling Crusher about her Q-ness. Strange things started happening a few months back. Her wishes would come true. No work required. She's actually kind of glad to hear that there's an explanation. She says she's ready to meet Q. Speak of the devil, he's all questions and proclamations. She has potential. Have you ever intentionally used your powers before? Saving Riker from the falling container was the first time she'd ever done that. Containing the warp core breach was the second. Q's done discussing. It's time for them to go to the continuum. But Amanda doesn't want to. She uses her powers intentionally for the third time in her life to throw Q across the room. In his ready room, Picard scolds a ruffled Q. You said you would leave it up to her, then you tried to abduct her against her will. Q says, unconvincingly, that that was just a test of her powers. Still, he says, she will have to join the continuum to learn to behave like a Q. To Picard, seems like she is behaving like a Q, but whatever. 
Meanwhile, Amanda and Crusher are talking over the girl's predicament. Yeah, Q's kind of terrible, but he's also the only being who can help her understand who and what she is. The one thing she can't wish away is what she is. Crusher says she can still go to Starfleet Academy, she can still have the life she wants, but she has to deal with who and what she is. Amanda says she will, but right now, she just wants to get back to her internship. She says she doesn't want Crusher to treat her any differently, and Crusher agrees. Hey, remember how Picard thought Q was up to something more than testing Amanda? Turns out his mission for the girl is more dire. A short conversation with another Q and a corridor reveals Q's true mission. Amanda must join the continuum, or she must die. Act 3. Time for Amanda to start learning about the Q, and sort of how to be one. Q explains that they are omnipotent, that they can have and do anything they want. Amanda says she wants to see what her parents looked like. And Q says, fine, do it. And she does. And thus begins her instruction, interspersed with some soul-searching, some experiments in medical, and a talk with Dr. Crusher. All of this omnipotence is making the day-to-day harder to deal with. Still, Crusher encourages her to soldier on, starting with that experiment that she's supposed to be working on. As soon as Crusher leaves, Q appears. Time for another lesson, though Amanda says she needs to keep working on this experiment for Dr. Crusher. Hello, you have powers. Make it happen more quickly. That'll kill two birds with one stone. Crusher gets her results quickly, and Amanda practices her abilities. On the bridge, the Enterprise receives a call from Tagra 4. The filters they use to keep the planet from dying are on the fritz. Picard says he'll see if his engineering team can help. And Data has more information on Amanda's biological parents. They died in Topeka, Kansas, in a tornado something the weather modification net should have been able to stop. Picard thinks that's fishy. He tells Data to look into it a bit more. Back in the lab with Amanda and Q, Riker stops by to ask Dr. Crusher a question. She's not there, but Amanda says Riker can wait for her, you know, if he wants to. Riker's got a jet, and Q's all like, you're attracted to him, ooh! And Amanda's like, am not, you are, shut up! And Q's still like, Ew. How Riker and Beverly didn't pass each other in the hall is a mystery. She's back, and she's not happy. When Q and Amanda accelerated the experiment on which she was working, they invalidated the results. Now it'll have to be done all over again. Q and Beverly go round about whether Amanda should be treated as a human or allowed to use all of her Q-given abilities. Finally, Q agrees to stay out of Crusher's business, after he changes Crusher into a dog, and Amanda changes her back. Act 4. Data's dig into the tornado that killed Amanda's parents yields more mystery. Recorded wind speeds were three times more powerful than they should have been for a funnel of that size. Below decks, Q and Amanda are working on her teleportation skills. Well, below decks, in the shuttle bay, in engineering, on the outer hull of the Enterprise... Amanda seems to be getting the hang of it, and she's starting to enjoy what being a Q has to offer. At dinner with Troy and Dr. Crusher and Ten Ford, Amanda sees Riker. Remember when Q said that she was attracted to Riker and she denied it? Yeah, she lied. She invites Will to join them, but he has other plans. Like a date. One table over from Amanda, Crusher, and Troy. Amanda is distracted. Then she and Will are gone. She's whisked him off to a romantic setting to woo him. When that doesn't work, she makes him fall in love with her. Of course, he's not really in love with her. I mean, he is, but only because she made him be. It's empty. He tries to argue, but Amanda sends him back to Ten Ford. In his ready room, Picard and Q are talking about Amanda's Q parents. This whole tornado thing doesn't add up. Did the continuum kill Amanda's parents? Well, if they did... If they did, Picard thinks Amanda has a right to know that before making her choice. But Q says she has no choice. Never has. If she's Q, she'll be coming back to the continuum. If she's some sort of human-Q hybrid, she'll have to die. Q hasn't decided which it'll be. 
Act 5. Picard, Crusher, and Troy are talking over Amanda's predicament. Troy thinks they have to tell Amanda everything. Crusher disagrees. In the end, Picard sides with Troy. He tells Amanda the Continuum killed her folks, and if she's not true Q, they plan to kill her as well. She wants to know what right they have to make such decisions. And Q answers, It's a right derived from moral superiority, which Picard says he can't see. Powerful, sure. Moral, eh? Anyway, Q says there's nothing to worry about. Amanda is Q. And she gets to make a decision. She can join the continuum or live her life outside of it. But if she does, she cannot use her powers. Seriously. Can. Not. Sounds easy enough, though. She should be warned her parents thought they could give up using their powers. They could not, which is why they were put down by the continuum. Yeah, whatever. Amanda will stop using her powers and live her life. That's part of Act 5. The other part is the part where the Enterprise has finally reached Tagra 4, and it's just as crappy as it sounded. It's when Amanda is telling Q that she'll forego her powers and stay human that they get a call from Riker. The filters that keep the atmosphere on Tagra 4 livable are melting down. Everyone on the planet, including Geordi and Riker, will die. Amanda can't let that happen, so she uses her powers to fix everything. Not the machinery. Everything. The entire ecosystem of Tagra 4. She is who she is. And she is Q. She'll join the Continuum after she visits her adoptive parents. Try to make them understand. And with that, she and Q are gone. The End. So one thing real quick I got to say about um, Q, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's going to take her by surprise and make her realize Amanda. Um, <laughs> he's going to tell her right away he can't wait another day, uh, Amanda. Uh, now, Riker, Riker is going to say it like a man and make her understand Amanda. Uh, you and I. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the words. I know that's the next part. I, I think that we mm. can't wait, if memory serves. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting. You went with the you went with Amanda. I like that. I, I've had uh, True Blue in my head. Oh, all right. By also Madonna, acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except it's right. True Q, baby. I love you. It's uh, <laughs> right. True Love, oh baby. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, listen, you've done something bad. I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know. You've raised puppy awareness in Star Trek to a level that yeah, is, is borderline yeah. worrisome among our listeners, I think. No, no, not worrisome at all, because th- this means one of two things, that you can just replicate puppies at will, which is a weird thing and needs to be dealt with if we're you know projecting this happening in the 24th century, or, or there's a Petco somewhere on the Enterprise <laughs> that has not been accounted for. <laughs> Yeah, I right. think there's an ASPCA on the uh, Paramount lot is really the mm-hmm. thing. It's like, oh, and then at the end of the episode, it would have been Patrick Stewart saying, would you like to adopt this little fellow? You know, Right. <laughs> right. Please spay and neuter your pets. Exactly. So. Well, yeah. not, not yourself, but, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> have no, it pets. done. Yeah. yeah. No, well, yes. no, I'm saying yeah. not, not, right. not yes. please do it. Please have it done. No, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, As for yourself, I that's your it. call. But again, probably you shouldn't do that on your own. Sure, I would hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, my, my hat is off to Riker that he manages to meet the new female guest star this week and does not immediately start making out with her. Yeah, How old is she supposed um, to be, though? That's my question, because, OK, so she's well, got this internship and she won it over hundreds of people. And then we find out she's been accepted to the Academy because I would think right. you go to the Academy and then you get the internship. It would seem to me. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they refer. I think they refer to her as being eighteen. Do in they? The episode. She's an honors yes. student. I know that. So she was studying well pre academy, I suppose. But in reality, Olivia Dabo was about twenty three at the time. Yeah. Well, I wasn't asking about yeah. that. Please, Michael J. Pollard was like eighty seven when he played that thirteen year old on Mary. <laughs> right. He wasn't eighty seven, right. but he was like twenty eight. Yeah. Right. He was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, whatever. That was a long he time was, ago. Yeah. 
I don't he expect, plays young. He doesn't play that young. <laughs> I don't expect kids to actually be, you know, kids on TV necessarily. But sure, yeah, I couldn't tell how old she was supposed to be. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the kind of weird and interesting things about the episode is they they kind of flip back and forth. But I, I think we'll probably talk about that in in an upcoming segment. Um, here's one thing that I love about Amanda testing tricorders in the medical lab, because. In my mind, every Star Trek fan just wants to go into their house and have a cabinet full of Star Trek props and nothing else. And this cabinet in particular is huge, and it contains about eight tricorders. Mm -hmm. So literally on a ship where you think there's a finite amount of space, you're using five shelves to do the work of one. (laughs) You know? Yeah, they're well laid out. They don't even, they're not even like in a charger. Which is kind of no, weird. No, they're not in a charger. They're not secured. Yeah. They're not, you know, numbered or anything. It's just like, here, we'll build this big shelf. No, no, no. That That's just that's, that's the, the tricorder tri- shelf. Quarters. Yeah. That's, yeah, you know, right. Do you have any idea how many tiny little starships you could fit on that thing? I'm just saying. I see. Yeah. Right. Um, here's what I actually don't get. Why are we even storing tricorders? Why do we have tricorders before we, you know, beam hmm. down? I would think that that would be something that we'd replicate on an as-needed basis. Because if it's not something we're just replicating when we need them, then Mm -hmm. are we in danger of running out? I mean, are tricorders tricorders actually things that – can they for some reason not be replicated? Could be. Or or maybe you also just need one like – Hey, this guy comes into sick bay. I just need to grab a tricorder as opposed to I think what you're saying, which is, you know, we're going to beam down an hour from now. So why don't you go whip us up a batch of tricorders before we get there? I'm thinking about this far too much, but this is what we do. So I am. I understand Mm -hmm. that like Riker is walking around with a tricorder in her pocket. Mm-hmm. But has she been walking around with the same tricorder in her pocket for the last five years? Or does she get up in the morning and replicate a new tricorder? Well, well, that just seems wasteful. How is that wasteful? Then uh, then at the end of the day, she puts it back in the bin, and all yeah. those little parts get broken down, and then the next day it comes back as a new tricorder. It, or it comes back as like a wedding gift. Or it comes back as a puppy. Yeah, or it comes see. Yeah, oh, man. Or it comes back as a younger Dr. Pulaski. You see, there. Yes, all, there you yes, go. Yes, it's a fine line between transporter and replicator. Yep. There yep. may actually not be one. We, we'll, we'll have to decide that for for, 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 for good one day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, a small bit of dialogue about the environmental disaster. Crazy. They didn't curb their emissions when they had time to do that. They're just gonna that's gonna try to fix the symptoms rather than the root of the problem. Hey, at least they're trying to fix the symptoms. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Not just going la 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 la. No, we're. <laughs> Yeah, I've had this cough since I was born. Don't know why that is, but uh, <laughs> pretty sure it'll be fine. Yeah, as long as I wear this thing around my neck, the inhaler, that, that makes it all better. Yeah, all better. that guy freaked me out, by the way. Not because yeah. of his cough. Every time I saw him, so what did he have, like six nostrils or four? Mm-hmm. Was he it four or six? Yeah, he had a lot. Four. Yeah. But the way it was, but the, it was good makeup. It was well done. Because oh, yeah. every time I looked at him, I thought, is there something wrong with my eyes? <laughs> no, it, it's him. He's got the four nostrils. By the way, that could also be part of the problem with their atmosphere. Maybe if they weren't taking so much of it in, mm-hmm. it wouldn't hurt could them as much. Could yeah. be. That might That's be what they should work on, just like a, a set of nose plugs for everybody. <laughs> right. Um, I have to ask, what's the deal in the Enterprise with all the unsecured barrels and storage containers? Hmm. Uh, if you, you need to disable wharf, barrel. Uh, mm-hmm. Need to almost kill Riker, barrel. Mm-hmm. Need a place to yeah. hide, barrel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you need stuff to fly around a room, barrel. I'm, do, I'm just, I'm going to say, strap that stuff down. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I, I understand what you're saying. I, you know, I will say, um, Q hiding in a barrel, I didn't buy, mm-hmm. unless he has to start like it start her in sort of a linear way, like he's like, okay, we're going to play hide and seek, and yeah. he has to think, okay, she's somewhere between 15 and 18 years old. She's going to have a very sort of like you know human kid idea about the kind of places you could hide. Right. Yeah. Because he actually tells her when he's hiding in the reactor that she's thinking in a very human way. Right. Wouldn't even think to look in the reactor because it wouldn't occur to her that she can stick her head in the reactor. (laughs) Yes. Um, As far as effects go, Q hiding in the reactor is absolutely terrible. Oh, yeah. But the two of them standing on the hull of the Enterprise, the outer hull of the Enterprise, is Mm -hmm. wonderful. It was Mm -hmm. it was like a surprisingly good shot. Um. Mm -hmm. It, like like it, 
and I, I sort of was wondering, like, okay, is that scale right? And where are they in relation to each other? And where are they in relation to whatever? But there was really just something beautiful about that shot. I don't know if it was that Olivia Dabo sold it. I don't know if it was the way that the shot was composed. Um, it just, it, it, there seemed to be a certain amount of wonder in her reaction to, you know, standing on the outer hull of a spaceship that's going, you know, however fast it's going. Right. And it also was a good illustration of, of like, of how awesome her powers are, how awesome her ability is, that she can actually stand outside of everything that anybody else can see or do and, and, and take that in. It was a, that was a, that was actually a fantastic shot, which was great because it almost makes you forget how bad Q sticking his head out of the reactor was. <laughs> I, I did a freeze frame on that shot with them standing out on the hull. And, and it's really cool to look at. I, I agree with you that I did question later, well, wait, is the scale? Are they too big? Or, you know, what's going on here? But I didn't care because there's so much detail in the shot. And yeah. you can really, you can almost see sort of the, the paint strokes where the model of the Enterprise has been painted and then composited in there. It's, it's just awesome. It's yeah. really cool. And, and you get the weird kind of distortion from the camera placement where it is that, that makes the front of it look really distant. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Beautiful shot. Um, I also, I really like in this episode that Amanda has kind of a quasi- 2367 hairstyle you know it shows that the old fashions always come back so uh, good for her at least as far as starfleet is concerned um and good news you know i like pointing out technology that we just sort of expect will be there for us in the future we have a weather modification net in the future hmm you say in the future yeah <laughs> <laughs> So very excited about that. Yeah, I mean that does seem like that does seem like a totally like typical thing that we would do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's sort of like what you talked about with the skin grafts a couple of weeks ago and things like that. At the same yeah. time, part of me wonders like, how'd that go for the first couple of years? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, well, well, we stopped this one tornado here, but those other five tornadoes, we may have had a tiny bit to do with that. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Doc Brown clearly had no problem with it in 2015, so we're, we're actually kind of post-due for that. But yeah, uh, speaking of those tornadoes, um, mm -hmm. nobody had any questions about that at the time. I, maybe maybe the, web, the modification that was so new that nobody thought like, wow, that's so weird. We set up this thing, and a tornado just comes out of nowhere, destroys one house, and kills two people, and then goes away. Nobody 18 years ago, 17 years ago, thought anything about that. Well, they apparently you know? did think something about it, but remember, 18 years ago, we didn't know that there were Q, right? Well, I mean, what, regardless. So what yeah. are you going to question exactly? I mean, I again, as we record this, there have been some pretty bad storms uh, moving across the southeast of the United States. Mm -hmm. And I found myself again marveling the other day at one of the shots that they had of one of the, uh, one of the places that had been ravaged by tornadoes. And it's like, um, there are three like, like washing machines sitting mm -hmm. right next to each other, as one assumes they did in what one assumes was a laundromat. Oh, right. But there's nothing else there anymore. But the three laundry, yeah. the, the three washing machines are still there. So I mean, mm -hmm. tornadoes. I'm not making light of it. They're really strange. I had a I had a uh, I had a friend one time tell me about he had been, like pulled like like these incredible number of shifts at a radio station, which is bone tired. And this was a long time ago, it was late fifties, early sixties, that he had done this, which is absolutely bone tired from doing appearances and shifts all week. And he went yeah. to sleep, and he woke up the next morning. And the building across the street was gone. Whoa. Yeah. And he had slept through it. And that was actually the part that freaked him out. Yeah. Well, that and he could have died. Yeah. 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 Because all of the above is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But his building was fine. And wow. the tornado was like over there. And the other thing I'll say really quickly, I mean, there was enough weirdness about this tornado that people said, yeah, okay. So the wind speeds are actually three times faster than it should have been for a funnel that size. And there were witnesses who said, wow, that just came out of nowhere, took out that one house and left. But, I mean, it looks like a natural disaster, and they don't mm. even know that there are Q, and, you know, no godlike being has come to Earth to mess with them in quite a while. Yeah. So why would they think it was anything else? All right. Well, now I know to blame Q. Um, 
Hey, quick thing. Uh, there's this line that Q has uh, mm-hmm. to Picard regarding Crusher. He says, uh, Crusher gets more shrill with each passing year. And then 15 minutes later in the episode, he turns her into a dog. So, I look, I'm not saying it's time for a mission log sexism talk, but... Uh. <laughs> This episode has everything. A charming guest star, Q, puppies, and, though John did not mention it, an orphan. I was trying to think through this if we learn more about the Q continuum in this episode than we've learned before. I mean, they they have kind of a hierarchy now. They have rules. They have punishment. I mean, there's a lot more there than I think we gathered before. I don't know, though, because remember Q was sent to the Enterprise with no powers before, and then Corbin Birdson came and gave them back because he, mm, Yeah, I can't know, forget him. Yeah. Performed that uh, selfless act. Right. Yeah. Right. So we knew they had all this before. I mean, Q had been punished in the past. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just seems like, I, I don't know, maybe it's this whole thing. The, the, the aliens in Star Trek always reflect humanity. Q is one of the most human people on Star Trek. He's emotional, he's tempestuous, he's needy, he's manipulative, and he uses his powers to satisfy himself. Mm-hmm. A lot, you know? I mean, it, for all the preaching that he does sort of at and toward Amanda, uh, he should pretty much be following his own uh, his own suggestions, his own guidelines and rules, because, well, apparently he doesn't follow them either, and he doesn't necessarily follow what the rest of the Q continuum would uh, would have him do. Wait a minute. What what rules are you saying he's preaching to her that he's not following? I actually saw it as the opposite. He's telling her, oh, really? do yeah. what you want, go where you want, be what you want. You don't even have to eat anymore. That's how useless humanity is. As far as uh, oh, I'm concerned, but, he but, says. But remember, but remember that that power comes with great responsibility. Q doesn't say that, does he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, and how often have we seen Q behave responsibly? When does Q say that? I apologize. I don't. I mean, yeah. like they want to make sure that she's not going to see. Because my assumption was they were just being as selfish, or at least he was just being as selfish as he's ever been. He's like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want her to kill you guys. Um, or, you know, the galaxy. But my assumption is that she could actually eventually kill them as well. I mean, if they got the power to kill her, then she's got the power to kill them, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, is he taking care of her because he's taking care of her or because he doesn't want her to take care of them? Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, uh, so uh, with all the omnipotence that they have, maybe they don't have omniscience. Hmm. Uh, in order to see what would become of those choices. But he does actually, Q says to Picard, uh, regarding Amanda, with unlimited power comes responsibility. Hmm. Okay. And I usually think of Q as the last guy to be talking about responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> you with know? you on. I'm with you on that. Yes. Unless. Well, I mean, he's also talking about moral superiority, which Picard doesn't see. I mean, all he sees is unlimited power. But it's possible. Sure. I mean, Q actually does say the whole thing about you know the decision or the verdict is still out on humanity. I mean, he may actually right. still view us as subhumans. I suppose. I mean, yeah, we're, we're yeah. not worth. We're not worth actually, you know, thinking about or treating nicely, mm-hmm. as far as he's concerned, because we haven't earned that yet. A, a little bit of uh, a throwback, maybe to Encounter at Farpoint. Yes, maybe the so. Jury, yeah, yeah. The jury being that mock trial that he set up. Um, I, it was interesting to me that this episode, I thought, presented a lot of good ideas that that kind of kind of are just sort of thrown out there to the audience w- without a lot of real uh, resolution. Um, so we we first had the introduction of this kind of custody battle, and at least Amanda is of age, <laughs> and and presumably she has ability to make decisions on her own. But clearly that goes out the window because you've got the the greater power of Q really using her as a proxy for his fight with uh, with humanity. Then you've also introduced this kind of creepy problem that we talked about before with the death of Tashiar. What if you could bring people back or at least an image of them? Does that somehow mess up your ability to have closure and, and finalize grieving for those people who are gone? 
So I thought that was an interesting idea kind of presented that we didn't get too deeply into. And then I thought by the end of the episode, when Amanda actually says, no, I need to go see my parents. I was thinking, well, she can go see her adoptive parents. She could also go see her real parents again if she wanted to, because as Q points out, she can do anything. She's Q. She can just do whatever she likes. And we also have some very interesting questions in here about identity. You know, Amanda being who she is because how she was raised as a human, not unlike Worf, just being, you know, raised on Earth with, uh, with parents who aren't his biological parents. And then the idea that it's sort of Amanda's destiny to be the way she is because she is part Q. So... These were all, like I said, I don't think that they were thrown into the episode for the idea of making a grand statement necessarily about each one of these issues. But I thought it was very much to the credit of the episode that every time we hit on one of these, it became sort of a, a way to, to deepen what was happening with the characters. Hmm. Like an onion. Like an onion. Like, an onion. like an onion. Yeah. yeah. There's layer yeah. upon layer upon layer here that you can sort of explore. Peel another layer for us. Well, I have a question. Did you think of Charlie X in this episode? You know, not really. I mean, I, I, the parallel, I think, is definitely there, but I, I didn't really think about that until you mentioned it. I was reminded of a couple of things in this episode. Uh, Charlie X, which, uh, for people who remember when we talked about that episode, like a, like a boatload and a half years ago, 75 <laughs> years ago, I think, is when we did it was, Charlie yeah. X. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually reminded when we did Charlie X of the X-Men as well, not just because of the name, but because, you know, the Mm X-Men are sort of like the X-Men are sort of like a teenager coming of age story uh, times 50. Right. You've got Mm -hmm. all these hormones raging. You have all these feelings. You just kind of want to go out and blow up the world or you just kind of want to cut through a bunch of the crap in the world and, Mm -hmm. you know, and fix things or change things or do things the way you want to do them, uh, which was sort of a Charlie X thing as well. Um, the other thing that I was reminded of in this episode, though, was something that a friend of mine told me about the movie X-Men 2, or X2, excuse me, X-Men United. Okay. Um, so my friend, uh, lesbian, huge mm-hmm. science fiction fan, and when she mm-hmm. saw X2, uh, she saw part of it as a story about coming out. Hmm. One of the kids, when one of the kids in the movie says that he's a mutant, his mother says, have you tried not being a mutant? <laughs> and my friend says that a variation of that question was asked of a number of her homosexual friends by their parents if their parents weren't cool with the possibility or weren't, you know, didn't see it coming, basically, or if wow. they just didn't like wow. it. So basically they were just being, well, have you tried not being gay? <laughs> you know, which is like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the answer to that question is, uh, but it's it anyway, that's what she saw in that particular thing. When we talked about Charlie X, we talked about the sort of coming of age story that it was, except instead of being led to like, you know, decency or being helped or being raised, Charlie was basically just, you know, sent to an island of misfit toys. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So while this was reminiscent to me of both Charlie X and what my friend saw in X2, um, I mean, it's kind of a coming of age story in a way. uh, Once Amanda knows what she is, then she can't stay who she was. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She couldn't deny who or what she actually is. And and seeing her deal with that is really is really kind of an interesting thing to watch. I said earlier that the, the shot, too, of her and Q standing on the hull is wonderful. I think visually it's wonderful. Um, but what's really neat is when, you know, she frees her mind from her expectations, both like her own expectations and everyone else's expectations of her. Mm-hmm. When she's able to move around outside of those things, then she's able to literally move outside of what anybody has imagined, both both for her and by herself. There seems to me, it seems like this is a, this really is kind of a weird coming of age story. And I don't know that it's, I mean, while I bring up the thing about X2, it's not, I'm not saying it's a, it's a sexuality story necessarily. Although at the same time, I did actually find myself wondering, what could she be that could change her so? You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, 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 what is she going to hit upon? Like, what are you and I going to hit upon in our lives that one day we wake up and say, I'm this, and that changes everything about me? It's not like she could suddenly be a genius, right? Mm-hmm. And not have been one yesterday, unless you're doing a Flowers for Algernon thing. Right. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out what, like, I don't think this is, okay, let me, let me back up and let me back up. Let's just say it's a coming of age story because I don't really want to introduce anything else that's not presented. Sure. But there is, I mean, there is a turning point here. Like once she becomes, is it like the, is it like the Bible verse? When I was a child, I spoke as a child and acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I mean, is that what this is about? Mm. Is it about, I can't hide in what I believed before because now I know this other thing about myself. Now I literally have come of age. There's, there's something incredible here. And I'm not sure what exactly the power of Q is the stand in for, but we see, we see something really dramatic in uh, in what happens to this character all the way through, you know what's interesting to me is that uh, when you mentioned Charlie X, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm thinking, you know, the end of this story is kind of the opposite of Charlie X. The, oh, the thing very that I much love, so. Yeah, yeah. The, the the thing that I love about Charlie X is, is that it has this kind of melancholy, slightly ambiguous ending. You know that whatever Charlie is in for, it's not good. Yeah, and. It, and it's not just being able to be a 17-year-old boy who's trying to find himself. Um, there's something about Amanda here that she is absolutely the prime candidate for a human to move on and be something other than slash better than human. She mm-hmm. She's caring and concerned and altruistic um, and shows great interest in a number of topics that could be of help to anybody, you know, any of her fellow humans. Now, there is something kind of unfortunate about her going into the continuum and not being able to use her powers for good in the human realm. But you also kind of think, at least I did, she gets to the continuum and she's actually better than the others in the continuum. If everybody else there is like uh, John DeLancey and Corbin Burnson, mm-hmm. uh, not the people, but the characters, you know, then mm-hmm. she's got at least a leg up on them because she has, as Picard put it, she's got this moral core that uh, that they clearly don't. <laughs> They've been jaded by the eons and eons of being these omniscient, well, not omniscient, but omnipotent beings. Um, so there is something almost hopeful about the end of this episode, even though the human world loses Amanda. But uh, again, as we said, as Crusher says, well, she's she's cute. She can do anything she wants. She could come back, which actually led me with the question. Well, if she's cute and she can do anything that she wants. No, really, truly, she can do anything that she wants. <laughs> she could just say, right. like, yeah, I got to go to the continuum for five minutes and then I'm going to come back. Yeah, you, <laughs> you see, know? that's I actually when you just said a minute ago, we lose her to the continuum and now she can't go around and help everybody. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out why exactly. And, and does that I don't think it intentionally says anything about it. But is it like. um, <laughs> Is it, it, it like once you get powers, then you don't really care so much about everybody else? I mean, I'm not saying that that's what they're saying here, but there's a fantastic uh, oh, Eddie Izzard says, uh, what is it? He's got this thing where the baby Jesus is visiting Santa Claus. And Santa mm-hmm. says, ho, 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 baby Jesus, what do you want for Christmas? And Jesus says, I want peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And Santa says, well, how about a clockwork train? And Jesus <laughs> starts playing with the train. And he doesn't really think about the peace on earth anymore. All, all Amanda yeah. wants to do is help everybody. But then she goes to the continuum and we can tell that she does not go and help everybody because, you know, we got another season and a half of Star Trek. Then we got First Contact, Insurrection, um, Nemesis. Right. Right. I think right. I might have missed one. Oh, Generations, of course. Generations. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so she's not out fixing everything for everybody. Does the continuum keep her from doing that? Or is it sort of like once you get the power to do anything, then you don't really feel the need to do anything? Well, well yeah, you have to wonder if there's something kind of corrupt at the core of what the Q wait a minute to do. Are you saying absolute <laughs> power corrupts? Absolutely. Oh, wait a minute. No, I, I don't want to go that route. Okay. <laughs> um, now, well, I, you know, let, let's look at this from a different angle. Um, we debated a little bit at the end of the episode, Hyden Q about Riker being given the powers of the Q. So definitely a <laughs> parallel to what happens here. And and I do still get it why others wouldn't want his gifts, mm. but I'm a lot less sure about what's happening here. 
There's no good reason to think that Amanda, who she is in this episode, can't handle the power or that the people that she helps wouldn't be better for it. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, Amanda seems, like I said, the ideal candidate out of all of humanity to have this ability. She's I I would even say that she is the embodiment of Idic. She's she's got the best of both worlds. She's got the best of not not the episode. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. (laughs) No pun intended. But she has this uh, this moral core that Picard talks about being probably from her human upbringing. And then she has this incredible power that would make her a step beyond uh, where humans have arrived at. in in their evolutionary history. But like you said, with X-Men, well, that might make some humans turn against her. Now I'm starting to see a whole dark side for this. Ah, yeah. The more I, the more I talk about it, the more I'm, uh, more I'm worried about it. Humans turn against her, but so what, what are they going to do? I mean, near as we can figure, the only thing that can take the power from a Q or that can, you know, kill a Q is Guinan. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or the yeah, continuum. She does a karate kid pose and yeah, watch good, out. Man, yeah. good thing she wasn't in this episode, huh? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, and she was in 10 forward, too. Oh, this episode could have gone sideways quick. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> now, it, it is funny that uh, Q is the one who asked Picard, is it, do you think it reasonable of us to allow omnipotent beings to roam free through the universe? And I thought, well, but they are. And they do, because Q just shows up whenever he wants. And he <laughs> moves Picard around wherever he likes and moves yeah. the ship around wherever he likes, you know. So, again, you know, give that same power to Amanda. And, and I ask myself, well, what if she's unable to resist the temptation of using her power? I, I see where that got her. It, it got her to the point of saving a planet <laughs> that right. choked itself on its own noxious emissions. I also wondered if maybe there was an option here for a Superman 2 resolution. Um, just take away her powers and let Amanda live as a human. We didn't present that, you know, but Superman did it for Lois. Why can't Amanda do it if she wants to stay on the Enterprise? It didn't work out well for Superman either, though, did it? No, he had to get those powers back. He had to get those powers yeah. back, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. I don't think, well... Obviously, for this story, that's not going to happen. You're not going to give her that option. But, I mean, this is the whole thing of, like, growing into what she's actually able to be, right? Look, I mean... We would have been back in the same position as we were with uh, Riker in Hide and Q. Well, maybe. Not even that, though. I mean, all she really wants to do is hide in safety. I really... The more I talk about it, the more I think this is just a coming-of-age story. All she wants to do is hide in the things that she's always known and hide in the things that she's always you know, expected. And there are people who do that for their whole lives. It's not just about, well, I turned 18 and so I whatever. I mean, there are people who think they know how their lives are going to be and they live their lives that way. And then there are other people who look outside. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. and both are fine. Both are, both are great, you know, but the thing is once she suspects that there's more, once she suspects that there's more that she could be and that there's more that she could do, once she actually not even suspects, once she knows that there's more that she could be and that there's more that she could do, there's no going back at that point. I mean, she has to go ahead and live into uh, go ahead and live into what that is. Hey, I want to get your take on another scene here. Um, OK, the scene with Beverly and uh, Amanda chatting in the medical lab. Do you think Beverly was on the level when she said she had no idea what she would do if she could make any wish come true? I think she was on the level initially, yes. Yeah. I think when she, I think she immediately, you know, she immediately goes to the altruistic answer, you know, because that's, that's sort of her, that's almost everybody's default position, right? Yeah. Yeah. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men, again, or, and you miss congeniality, world peace, right. world peace, world peace. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I, you know, because we don't really think about it because we don't really have to think about it. And then when she actually, when Amanda does, you know, put the question to Beverly Harder and says, no, seriously, you can do anything. Like, would you do yeah. this one thing that it seems to me would be the thing that you would want most in the world? 
I think Beverly's actually on the level when she says, man, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because at the beginning of the episode, she talks about how she misses Wes. And we, we kind of have a little bit of an uncomfortable moment when she talks about Jack being dead. Um, but then it's only minutes later that they're having this conversation because now Amanda has the power of the cue. Well, well, what would you really do if you could do anything? Oh, well, heal people. Yeah, done. Done. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no. We just had a very deep conversation a few minutes ago, <laughs> and it was about other more pressing issues. One does wonder how Guinan would have treated Amanda, like the friend she found in Roe, or the foe she initially found in Hugh. Or Q. The episode, True Q. The questions. Does the episode hold up? What are the messages? Do the messages hold up? Will we be back next week? Actually, yes. <laughs> so many questions. Uh, let's start with the one, John. Um, does this episode hold up as far as you're concerned? Yeah, you know, it, it partly plays out to me like an early next-gen episode, but it also has a little more gravitas than I first expected. That's why I mentioned in the last segment that I was so happy that there were all of these compromising layers that just added a little bit more and a little bit more to the character and to the story. I thought that was really well done. Um I like that from scene to scene, we're introducing new factors, new directions for this to go. Now, I do feel like the writing in some places was a little bit shaky with Amanda. Uh, I, I realize that she's a very young woman and at the start of her adult life, but the writing tends to shift between accomplished adult and giddy teenager. And I realize that some of that might be on purpose. Uh, absolutely. It, that you've got to show some conflict within her. You have to show her sort of finding herself. So I, I do get that. Um, just some of it played a little strange, particularly the fantasy sequence with Riker. <laughs> you know, suddenly we're in this like Southern antebellum, you know, Civil War era costumes. And, you know, like that. That's what she's thinking. Of. Really? That's that's very strange. OK, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> Maybe she had seen him in the blue and the gray. Oh, I'll see. That's it. That answers it perfectly. Yeah, there you go. Um, but a fascinating idea here to have a, a human with Q powers, though I, I still think that Q is quite human, at least the Q that we know. Um, and I actually I cannot wait to learn more about Amanda and see her again in all the future episodes where she comes back and talks about her experiences <laughs> in the continuum and really yeah. helps humanity with these powers. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to her bringing Vosh back at some point, too. Oh, see, that'd be wonderful. Because I assume that great. she's still hanging out with the continuum or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You bring up the we didn't even talk about the whole fantasy segment in there, but there's there's again something about. There's something about preconceived notions or expectations or something like that as well. I mean, she sees Riker. She falls in love with Riker. She thinks the best thing in the world would be to be in love with Riker. And then once she's actually able to make that happen, she's like, mm, no, this isn't working. Now, of yeah, course, it's a very quick realization. Yeah, she doesn't work for it. She doesn't live through it. They don't actually fall in love. She just makes it so they are in love. But, um, yeah, that sort of ties in again to, I think, the you have ideas of, of what you expect things to be or how you expect things to be. And then, I don't know, if you look outside of those things or if you think there might be something different uh, to life than just what was expected of you or what you expected, then there's a chance that you'll find those things won't necessarily work for you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's sort of, uh, yeah. forgive me, that probably should have been in the last segment, but we didn't even, we did not even hit on that whole, on that whole uh, exchange between them. Uh, between Amanda and Riker. Yeah. Well, she she's a very fast learner. So <laughs> Where is that? We, we got that about her. We got that established way up front. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I just think it's an entertaining episode. Um, I, you know, maybe one more round in the writer's room would have e even lifted the drama a little higher. But, um, you know, Q episodes are kind of great anyway, just because John Delancey is so much fun in that role. Yeah. And Olivia Dabo is terrific in this. She's so engaging. She's so likable. And like I said, if you're going to pick a character to have Q-like powers, 
well, she's the one. I, sorry they took her away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I probably actually like this episode a tiny bit more than you do, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why exactly, because I think we both... Yeah, I'm not sure why exactly. If there was anything about the episode I didn't like, it it was how automatically welcoming everybody was to this kid. That's about the only thing. <laughs> right. I mean, Jordy had so much more time for her than he has for, you know, his Reg engineering. Barclay. Yeah, right. Well, I was trying not <laughs> yeah. to say the name, but yes. I was like, you yeah. know, if Reg had come in saying anything... Uh, Jordy would have been, well, we assume rolling his eyes because he's got the visor, so you can't tell for sure. Right, but yeah, you know, right. she comes in, it's just like, you know, hey, let me roll out the carpet. Let me show you everything. Yeah. Let me talk to you a very long time about a bunch of stuff. Everybody's incredibly welcoming, but, you know, she's guest star of the week. So I get that. Yes. The yes. fact that some, some like intern in one section of the ship is going to have a, a, a big meeting with the captain as soon as she gets right. there. Right. Yeah, I. Yeah, that, but that's that's a small thing to me. The rest of it was actually, um, the rest of it, I, I I felt like held up pretty well. Yeah. What about well, messages? Ah, see, I was going to ask oh, you. You know, <laughs> there's well, there, there's a lot here that's explored. Um, it, it's kind of funny to me, and I'm glad that Q actually calls out Picard on the speechifying, because mm-hmm. the Picard speech is basically the message of. Hey, humanity is better than aliens. Yay. <laughs> we, we have a moral core and you don't. So well. look at how much better we are than you. But, but there is something very truthful about that moment. There's something about Picard calling out Q on having power, but not having the good moral sense on how to use it. So mm-hmm. there is something that the Q can actually learn from and benefit from humanity. Um, I think there's a bit of a human rights slash pro-diversity message here, being who you are. We kind of touched on that. I think that's that's definitely more of what you got out of the episode. Um, I mentioned the uh, with great power comes great responsibility, or or so I've heard elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> that phrase has been kicked around a little bit. But, you know, more importantly, just because you have power doesn't mean you should use it. That's sort of the weird thing about Q is that. Yes, they have power, but again, they don't seem to have the omniscience to know where using their powers will always lead. So even they seem to be stuck by this in some places. Um, And I think the other thing that we've derived from other Q episodes is that whatever it is, you have to earn it. So if it's power, you have to earn it. You have to learn to get yourself there. And in this case, not only does Amanda kind of learn that, but in that weird fantasy sequence with Riker, she also learns really quickly she kind of has to earn it if she's going to have a relationship with somebody. Mm. You know, she's got to earn love rather than just sort of manifesting it out of the air. Sort of like puppies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, You have to earn puppies. I like that. Yes, yeah. yes, you do. Because with, with puppies comes great responsibility. I know that you know that. It's very true. That. It's very true. Um, what else? The problem is all of the coming of age stuff I was talking about in the last segment. I know I wasn't terribly succinct on it, so it's hard for me to boil that down into just a message or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you want to go that uh, I can't remember. There's some country song. Uh, everybody's got to grow up sometime. I guess. Although I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that that's maybe that's not even the truest thing to say either. Maybe, maybe. What is it? To thine own self be true? Maybe that's mm-hmm. really what it mm-hmm. is. I mean, Amanda knows that there is more for her. Amanda knows that there's more she can do. And once she knows that there's more that she can do, then she comes to think that there's more that she should. There's only so much you can hide about yourself from yourself, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I really got caught on the coming-of-age thing here. And, mm-hmm. and my assumption is that that is something that we all do, although... We don't, I think, all hit a moment of that. I don't think it's as simple as the verse, you know, when I was a child, I did this, but now I'm a grown up, so I do that. Well, listen, I'm a yeah. grown up and I got an Xbox. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we advertise miniature starships on our show. I mean, yes. so I don't, I don't know, I don't know that everything is as black and white as it sometimes appears in print or as it sometimes appears, you know, on an episode of Leave it to Beaver or an episode of Next Gen for that matter. And yet, I think there definitely is something about 
There definitely is something about living into what you can be at the same time, not being corrupted by the things that come with that. Well, it, it, it's that combination, though. I mean, I, I kind of go back to what I said before about Amanda embodying Idic. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not about suddenly turning from one thing into another. It's the idea that the combination of those influences make make that evolution, make that product something even better, something even more complete. Right. He didn't have to be Vlad the Impaler. He could have been Vlad the Help You Out guy. He could have been. Could have been. (laughs) Hopefully that happens for Amanda as well. Hey, Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. You can find out all the cool stuff that Roddenberry is up to uh, from the philanthropic work to the, hey, have you seen this new thing we're selling work at Roddenberry.com. You can support Mission Log directly by joining Patreon, patreon.com slash mission log. For members, we have cool exclusive gifts to thank you. And a special shout out to all the people who have already joined so far. Uh, That's not the cool gift, by the way. That's just an extra. Hey, thanks. Uh, Patreon.com slash mission log. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, check out Trek FM. That is Trek.FM. And for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com. Next week, Rascals. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. Promotional consideration for this show provided by Tagra 4. Clear skies, blue seas, more nostrils than you can shake a stick at. Newly remodeled and ready for you. Book your next getaway on Tagra 4. Call your travel agent today. End transmission. <laughs>